0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Well, before I get into these stories, I need you all to know that they're all very disturbing and graphic. Some of them are just very dark and they were really hard for me to even narrate. If you wanna know about each story specifically, just pay attention to the timestamps that'll be in the pinned comment. I'll have each story labeled in case you wanna skip any of them. This video is not for the faint hearted. I'll also have some articles linked in the description, as some of the people who sent these stories included proof. Without any more further interruptions, let's get started. When I was in my early 20s, my date and I decided to go to the sale Inn in West Sacramento to play pool. We'd been there before and enjoyed speaking with the bartender. I can't recall her name, but she was a lovely woman and we chatted with her whenever we encountered her. She was a very warm and bubbly woman. This particular night, we walked in and we noticed the pool table was occupied. There was a man and woman shooting a game, so my day bought us some drinks while I watched. After a few minutes, the man noticed me and struck up a conversation with me. When my day came over with our drinks, the man had asked us if we wanted to shoot a game with them. It didn't occur to me at the time that his female companion hadn't said anything. We said yes, so he racked up the balls and we played against them. During the game, we introduced ourselves, and right after, the man began asking me some personal questions that really started to bother me. Like where did I live, had my dad and I been dating long, did we live together, etc. I noticed that the man and woman kept looking at each other. I became increasingly uncomfortable even though the rest of the conversation was benign and pleasant in nature. Weirdly enough, the woman still hadn't said a word. When the game was over, the man had asked if we wanted to leave with them to go to another bar down the street. At first, I didn't say anything. Then the guy asked us again, saying they discovered a cool bar not too far from where we were. My dad and I just looked at each other and before he could say anything, I blurted out, um no thanks we have dinner plans we in fact did not have any dinner plans but my date didn't argue with me i think he saw the look of panic that was on my face we grabbed our jackets and got the hell out of there by the time we walked out the door the hair was literally standing on the back of my neck when we got back to my truck my date had asked me what the hell was wrong i told him that i got a horrible feeling from those people and I just knew that we had to get away from them. I told him how it was weird that he asked us to leave with them when he didn't check with his date first. He shrugged and just said okay. I think he thought I was crazy. Well, a few days later, when I opened up the afternoon paper, there was an article in there about a woman from West Sacramento who'd been found murdered. I didn't really think anything of it. That is, until I got to the page where the article was continued and the picture of the woman practically leapt out of the page at me. It was the bartender from the cell in. Apparently she'd been kidnapped, raped, and killed that very night that I was there with my date. Long story short, the man and woman we'd encountered were called Gerald Gallego and Charlene Adele. Gerald was a serial rapist and sadomasochist, and from my understanding, he was sexually abusive toward Charlene although she clearly partook in and shared in his sick and twisted crimes. Some of the victims were kept as slaves, and Gerald would repeatedly rape and abuse the poor girls and women. Many of them were young teenagers, like 14 years old. I'll attach an article about them for proof. The article mentions the bartender as well as the other victims. It says this Charlene met Gerald at a poker game in Sacramento, but it doesn't give a name. My mind can't help but wonder if it was the same place that me and my date were at. For years, I've struggled with guilt that the bartender ended up being one of the victims instead of me. I know I'm incredibly lucky that nothing happened to me, but it really breaks my heart to know what her final moments were. How much pain and terror that she must have endured. She was truly such a nice woman. She'd served us all that night. She must have trusted she would be alright when Gerald lured her over to him when she finished work. Apparently, it was his birthday present to himself. How sick is that? Part of me wished I'd warned her. Maybe I should have went over to her and said something such as, By the way, those two are weird. I don't know. I can't help but go through all of the what-ifs. Despite my feeling of being in danger, I never could have predicted what would have ended up happening. Things didn't work out with my date, but I am married now and have been for years now. My husband always tells me you can't predict things like this, and he's right, but it's very unnerving. I raised my children to always trust their instincts, and now that I'm a grandmother, I'll pass this down to my grandkids too, and to anyone else for that matter. That feeling of being prey makes itself known for a reason. Never ignore this feeling. I truly pray that Gerald and Charlene's victims are at peace now. I pray every evening for the loved ones of each victim. None of them deserve such an awful demise. Before I begin, I need to give a warning for sexual assault and pedophilia. I'll also have a news article linked in the description for this story. I grew up in a small town in Louisiana and for privacy, I won't say where. At the time of this story, I attended a private school that is from kindergarten to grade 12, all in the same building, and I was in the eighth grade. I was a 14-year-old girl who played basketball, golf, and tennis, so I was fairly fit. We had this one basketball coach who I'll call Joe for privacy reasons. Well, Coach Joe was a good basketball coach, and overall a good guy. He was married and had a son who he never shut up about. Coach Joe also made sure if we ever needed to talk to someone, we could always go talk to him. Well, one day I wasn't doing so well at practice because my boyfriend had just dumped me, and it really affected my mental state. Coach Joe then called me into his office, which was a completely covered room with no windows or anything. When I got to his office, he had asked me what was going on and I explained that my boyfriend had just dumped me after a year and a half of dating. Coach Joe then offered me a hug, and I accepted. When I wrapped my arms around him, I had felt his hands grab onto my butt. I jumped at his touch because I just wasn't expecting that. Then he whispered into my ear, It's okay. Just let it happen. He then began to grope me and feel all over my body. About ten minutes later, he had taken my shirt off, And is continuing to feel all over my body that's when i get a call from my mom who had arrived to pick me up from practice i had told coach joe that i had to go and he then said to me in a very creepy tone okay but this isn't over he knew i was a quiet kid and that i wouldn't speak up so all throughout my high school years he called me into his office and each time it progressively got more and more graphic it wasn't until several years after I had graduated and was about to get married that I finally came clean, because my fiancé told me that I had to tell the police what was going on, because apparently Coach Joe was still coaching at the same school. A couple of other students came clean as well, and he actually got locked away for his crimes. Coach Joe, if you ever hear this, fuck you and all the hell you put me through my high school years. I hope you stay locked away for a very long time. The story happened in my home city back in 2015. Some of you may have heard of this event, but to those who don't know about it, here's my story. I was a junior in high school at the time. It started out as an average day with me going through my classes at fourth period. A staff member called on the speaker saying we're going into a lockdown. Most of us students didn't really take these seriously because the most that happened near our high school was petty theft near a store, so we didn't really think much about it because within 20 minutes, the lockdown was suspended. After that was my lunch period, so during lunch, I was eating with my friend who we'll call Julie. Julie and I were in the library talking about the lockdown and coming up with theories, until her grandmother called her and told her to go to the front office because she was too worried about her grandchildren. Julia and I still didn't know what the hell was going on at all. We agreed to text each other later that day if we found out anything. So she leaves early, and my lunch ended. Not even ten minutes, the same staff member announced that we're going into a lockdown yet again, then declaring, This is not a drill. This is a real lockdown. After this announcement, someone found out what was happening. Our city was in the middle of a terrorist attack. A couple came into an office building during a holiday party and shot up the entire building, then sped off, leaving so many people dead or injured. Because of how serious it was, we all had to stay in our fifth period for the rest of the day, and many after-school activities were cancelled. As you'd expect, once the school day ended, it was pure chaos. I never saw my high school so packed. In the front, many people were scared and rushing to get their kids out. My mom had to park three blocks down to pick me up and then hurry us home. Once I got home, I had texted Julie to see if she was okay. Thankfully, her and her family were safe at home. I went on my phone to keep up to date with what was happening. Later in the day, the SWAT team came and it was a standoff with the SWAN team shooting down the couple responsible for the attack. In the aftermath of all this, the president at the time, Barack Obama, actually came here to pay his respects to the family and friends of the victims. At school, everyone was on edge about the incident. I was so thankful, though, that the couple didn't come into our school, because apparently during their chase, their car actually drove by our high school once or twice. All I know is if they had come inside, So many more innocent lives would have definitely have been taken. This really scared me because I never in a million years would have imagined that a terrorist attack would happen in my own hometown. It really shows that it doesn't matter where you live. Something horrific can happen anywhere. I hope and pray that the families who lost their loved ones are doing well, knowing that that evil couple are now dead and hopefully burning in hell right now. I'll have an article in the description as proof for this story. This isn't your typical scary story, but it was very unsettling for me for a long time and it really stuck with me for a while. In 2012, I was at an air show with my grandpa. I was nine at the time. Anyway, we're having lots of fun trying out the different foods, watching the pilots do all sorts of awesome stunts with their aircraft. Next up is a jet duo. They really did some awesome things and the crowd was going wild because it really was some out-of-this-world level of skill. I remember thinking that the one jet was kind of strange. During the show, it became slower and slower. I found it odd, but just assumed that it was part of the show. This was my very first air show, after all. The next moment, the jet is high in the air, making a mid-air turn, when the jet takes a dive that looks a bit too steep. And it was. Less than a second later... The jet hits the ground and there's a huge explosion. Massive fireball. The crowd got really silent. And I remember to this day that very moment. It felt like time had stopped in that moment. I thought he was going to do another one of those stunts where you pull up before hitting the ground. I wasn't expecting to see what had happened. The silence was then broken by a second explosion. That's when it hit me. This was no stunt. The pilot was dead. I remember going to food stalls afterwards. They decided to continue the show, but people weren't as buzzy as before. There was still the regular noise, but not as much. 4,000 of us went to that show expecting to have a good time. None of us expected to see someone die there. That was the first time I had seen someone die. I can't even begin to imagine the fear he had as he realized what was about to happen to him. I had some medical problems a couple of years later, and I wound up at death's door twice. That's what really made me feel sorry for that pilot, alone in that jet knowing you're about to meet your end. I don't know. Just something about knowing that I witnessed his final moments on Earth just made this story stuck with me. I'll have a link to an article that I found while searching for it. This is something that I rarely discuss for reasons that'll be obvious. I need to give a warning then, the story involves incest and sexual abuse of a minor. Growing up, my family were extreme evangelical Christians. We lived somewhere in the Bible Belt, and in the area in which I grew up was rural and religious. I was an only child, and due to being born female, my father felt cursed by God. No matter how much he and my mother tried, they had struggled with fertility. They never went to a doctor as my father didn't believe in such things. When they had me, that was it. My father refused to work and he made my mom go out to work. He said that he was the head of the household and he placed himself above God. He picked and chose whatever bullshit benefited him and he said it was God's plan. It was cultish and my father was a disgusting sexist. When I was 12 years old, he started to violate me. He would beat me before this escalation, as well as constantly telling me that I was a curse and a burden to him and my mother. My mother would be there and do nothing about any of this. When I was 12 years old, my period came for the first time. I didn't know what was happening because of course, my family wouldn't tell me this vital information. I was home alone with my dad and I ran to him fearfully. He became furious, which only scared me more. He screamed at me and he then banished me to my bedroom. He didn't go out to buy me products or tell me about this naturally bodily function. Instead he came into my room and he told me it was time to teach me a lesson. That was when he violated me for the first time. I was so confused and scared. I know this phrasing might sound strange, but I felt heartbroken. I didn't even know what sexual abuse was, but I knew what happened felt wrong, and I felt deeply betrayed. I didn't have the words or understanding to articulate why I felt this way. When my mom came home, she didn't even come into my room to check on me. I remained in my room, too emotionally distraught to dare to leave. I didn't even shower. I was too terrified. I was preparing for my own death due to still not knowing what was happening to me. The next day, my mom woke me up and she told me it was time for breakfast. I must have looked broken inside, but she either didn't notice or just chose to ignore it. I was literally trembling at the breakfast table. I could barely eat my food. Of course, my father was acting like nothing was going on. I was petrified and I felt like if I ate, I would be sick. I picked up my food, and my father noticed. He screamed at me, and he began quoting scripture. I tried to eat, but I couldn't. He then beat me, and my mother just continued to eat her food in silence. I wanted to scream, ask her why she never stood up for me, but I was so petrified. My father would hit me over my clothes, but on this occasion he had pulled on my clothes and then stared at my bare bottom. This was even more traumatizing, and thinking about it now, I think it was another perverted escalation. I cried from the fear, and I was sent to my room, forbidden to eat food for the next three days as punishment. I was still bleeding due to my period, and no one gave me any information as to why. My mother worked the night shift. She left the house at 9 p.m and she wasn't back until 9am the next morning. She didn't work every night though, and she was home the night after the first violation took place. I was beginning to think that maybe I wasn't actually dying, but I did continue to bleed, and it was a scary experience. I know it sounds so silly, but imagine you found yourself bleeding continuously without even knowing why, especially from such an intimate area of your body. On the second day of my punishment, my stomach was really aching. My mother had work, and my father came into my room yet again. He would say disgusting things to me. He told me that bleeding meant that boys wanted to do what he was doing to me, and that he had to do this so that other boys wouldn't. I didn't understand what he meant by this at all. I didn't know very much about sex. I kept thinking that I didn't want boys to do what my father was doing to me. It made me feel ill to even imagine anyone doing this to me when it was over he told me if i was good he would give me some food he then demanded that i do something to him and i was too terrified to refuse i didn't want to i really didn't want to it makes my stomach heave even now to remember this when it was finally all over he gave me an apple i didn't feel hungry anymore I couldn't even bring myself to eat it, and he began ranting and raving at me. He screamed sexist things to me, saying things about Eve. Ranting about how Eve ate the apple and doomed us all, and it's the fault of women that the world is such a sick place, and that even when offered an apple, women can't eat it because they want to damn us all. I don't know if he planned scenarios like this, like he was in a play, as an excuse to scream the bullshit that he would regurgitate. I just knew then I felt like I was in hell and I would never get out of it. I ended up being starved for six days, three extra days for not eating that stupid apple. Sometimes I wonder if he knew I wouldn't be able to eat it after he tormented me. My period eventually stopped and I felt relieved. I was forced to sleep in blood-stained bedding. My mother washed my bedding. She must have saw the bloodstains that were always there. I just can't understand why she didn't put two and two together and figure out my period was here and that I was being sexually abused. I don't think she ever cared, because one night she could have saved me and chose not to. The abuse continued, no matter what I did to stop him. I wanted to try to fight. I would scream, I would cry, I would beg and plead. I realized the only way to get through it was to close my eyes and bite the inside of my mouth until it bled. I felt like I was always bleeding. One night my mother came home. She was sent home due to being sick. I heard the front door, but my father didn't. Or maybe he did and knew she wouldn't stop him. My bedroom door was open. I had my head facing the door with locked eyes because I opened mine. I thought that at any minute, now she'll save me. She'll finally save me. I won't have to endure this agony any longer. Instead of saving me, though, she just stood and watched for an entire minute. Then she just simply walked away. Tears flooded my eyes, but I refused to let them out. I squeezed my eyes shut again, and I swallowed my sobs down. My father left and shut my door. I then curled in a ball, ready to cry, but I couldn't. From this night forward, I was completely numb. The abuse continued and I learned how to switch it off. Sometimes I felt floods of anger in my chest when my father began his violations on me. It made me feel violent, not out of simply wanting to defend myself, but out of hatred. I think about being strong enough to get him off me and imagine what it would be like to beat him. I know this is a dark thought, but I knew what he was doing was deeply wrong. The abuse went on until I was 15 years old. I finally learned what rape was when I was 13. My parents started to homeschool me when I was 10, but when I was 13 I had to go back to school. My father was furious as usual, but he had no choice but to let me go. I had finally learned about periods. Up until this point, I was totally desensitized to the monthly bleeding. I also learned what sex was, and I started to actually fully grasp just how disturbing what my father was doing to me was. I knew it was wrong. I always knew it was incredibly wrong, but I didn't understand it before. Now I was starting to understand it properly. I struggled to process it for a very long time. I remember being fourteen, and a boy in my class would always smile at me, and it made me feel scared. My father's sick words echoed in my head, and I feared he wanted to hurt me just like my father. I was so sheltered and clueless due to my parents' cultish abuse for my entire life. I didn't have many friends in school because I really struggled to get close to people. I blended in, and I was always too quiet. I wanted someone to notice something was wrong but no one ever did. I remember learning that rape was a crime. A girl I was friendly with was talking about rapists and I had asked what that meant. Learning there was a word for it and knowing it was happening to me was one of those pivotal moments in my life. The kind of moment you know you can never come back from. Rage was literally pulsating through my veins. I felt red hot with rage, remembering how my mother stood there Watching her disgusting husband rape her own daughter. Her own fucking flesh and blood. I started to think about how my own father could do such a despicable thing to me. How any normal person would be horrified to know about this. Then I felt shame. Shame certainly wasn't foreign to me. But I felt like I was feeling it tenfold now. I stayed quiet. This was around the time that I began to act out very badly. I started to wear makeup. My father told me that only harlots wore that filth, but he made me feel like one of those women. I felt like I was an object, damaged and good for nothing. I started wearing mascara and eyeliner, borrowed from girls in school. I'd wash it off right before I got home. One time I didn't, and my father called me a harlot. When he violated me, he just kept telling me that I was a harlot the entire time and he was sick of me enticing him. As puberty continued, my father made worse and worse comments about my body. I started hanging out with older kids from another school. I met these kids from skipping class one day and walking around. I had stumbled across this group who were smoking, and I joined them. Soon I was drinking, and my father was beating me more and more, but I didn't care anymore. When i was 15 one night i stayed out on a friday night i stayed out too late i wasn't drunk and one of the boys i was with tried it on me he didn't even do anything bad he told me he liked me and he asked for permission to kiss me i had freaked out because all i could think of was every time my father had forced his own tongue down my throat i pushed him and then took off i know that i reacted badly I really feel terrible for pushing him. He did nothing wrong, but I was triggered. I felt rage bubbling over the surface. I suppose anger was always simmering within me, but now it was really boiling. I kept thinking about my father, the things he did. I realized as I was running that I'd reacted so wrongly. I really resented my father for ruining my life. I had never kissed a boy before. And this boy said he liked me, but I knew if he knew what my father did to me, he wouldn't like me anymore. I felt like no one could ever respect me or like me. I was branded a harlot for life who was so dirty she enticed her own father. These were my father's vile words, but they infiltrated my mind and planted seeds within my heart. If someone ever tells you it's your fault enough times, you start to believe them. I got home and my mother was out. I knew what was waiting for me. I knew my father was furious, but this night, I was different. I felt like a dragon breathing fire. I slammed the front door open and rushed to my bedroom. My father shouted out hey to me, but I ignored him. I moved my bedside table against my door to lock him out. I then stood at the edge of my bed, my heart thumping. My father was screaming at me to open the door, swearing at me and using God's name in vain. I remember screaming that I wouldn't let him touch me anymore, and he told me I was his and that he could do whatever he wanted with me. He then told me that he needed to teach me another lesson, and I began to tremble. He was pounding on the door, and I could hear him slamming a shoulder against it. I knew it wouldn't hold. Our house was old and shabby. My bedside table wasn't sufficient enough either. My father was a large man. I knew I couldn't let this happen to me anymore. All this rage was spilling out of me. When he finally burst the door down, he ran at me. I darted to the side and he fell on my bed. I ran out of my room hurting my leg but not noticing it until much later. I then ran into the kitchen and grabbed a knife. My hands were shaking but I grabbed it. And i spun around to then see my father i held the knife out in front of me so if he ran at me he would fall right into it if that makes sense he froze and his fear flashed in his eyes for a brief second all i could hear was my own heavy breathing and my own heart thumping in my chest it was silent for so long before my father suddenly spoke very calmly he told me to put down the knife and be a good girl. Big mistake on his part. Him saying that brought back many painful memories, and my anger was exploding out of me. I then shouted at him to stay the fuck away from me and to never call me that. He then laughed at himself uncomfortably, which only made me angrier. I then screamed at him that it wasn't funny, and it was like once I started, I couldn't stop. I can't even remember all of what I shouted, but I started shouting at him. I told him that I hated him, and that he had been raping me since I was 12 years old, and I knew it was wrong. That I knew about my periods, that I wanted to hurt him like he'd hurt me all these years. I just kept saying that I hated him and my mother. I kept swearing at him. He was getting angrier and angrier. I could sense it. I then threatened him that if he came towards me, I'd cut him, and I told him I was leaving and he couldn't follow me. He told me I couldn't go, and I again threatened him. I only had the clothes on my back, but I knew if I didn't leave now, I wasn't going to make it out. I walked around him, still holding the knife. I maneuvered my way to the front door, and I told him I was leaving, and did not dare to try and find me. He told me not to do this, that there would be trouble and all that bullshit. I opened the door, and he suddenly ran at me. I slashed him across the face with the knife, and it made him stagger back and scream. I then turned and ran, and I didn't stop. My heart was beating so fast and my nose was badly running, but I just kept going. I'm not really sure when I dropped the knife, but I did lose it. I didn't even know where the hell I was eventually. I eventually ended up stopping at the side of a road. I didn't know where I was. I'd ran for so long and in a direction that I'd never really been to before. I didn't feel scared. I felt free. I walked for a long time. I found a bus stop and I sat in the shelter resting my eyes. When morning arrived I wasn't sure what to do. Two women and a man turned up and I remember asking one of the women about the bus. She explained the route to me and she seemed concerned. She asked if I was alright and I told her I didn't know. She asked me where my parents are and I told her I didn't even have any. I lied and I said I was 18 and that I didn't need parents. She looked doubtful but concerned. When the bus came, she asked if I was getting on. I said I wasn't sure and she held her hand out to me. I stepped towards her and she turned to the driver and asked for two tickets. She paid for me to get in. No one had ever done something so kind like that for me. She sat next to me on the bus and she tried to gently probe for more information about me. I shut her down, but I was polite about it. She sat with me on the bus for about an hour, probably. She told me that she had to get off soon, but she wanted to give me money. I told her I didn't need it, but she insisted. She handed me $150, and she told me to watch out for myself. She got off, and I started to cry. I finally got off when I was the final passenger, And the driver told me that this was the end of the line he asked if i was okay and i said yes he didn't bother to pry i was in a town then i wasn't sure where i was and i didn't know what to do i just wandered the streets before going into a cafe and just sitting down i was ordered to leave however as i didn't order anything long story short i began sleeping rough I used the money that the lady gave me for traveling until I was out of the state. I bought myself a bag, and I had bought myself some food. When it got low, I knew I had to get more. Sometimes strangers would give me cash. The streets weren't safe, especially as a female. I had some pretty scary encounters, but I managed to get away unscathed. I dreamt about my father every night, always nightmares. I wondered if he and my mother missed me, if they were looking for me. I never heard of any missing persons with my name, never saw my picture. I was on the street for months. I ended up finding a charity in a town, and they helped me out tremendously. They got me in a hostel sort of place, which was much safer. They didn't pry, didn't try to force me back to be with my family. They tried to give me an education and teach me skills. I had a support worker who sort of acted like a therapist, but I never fully opened up about my past. I was way too ashamed and afraid. When I was 17, I was finally able to get a part-time job. It was nothing special, but it was something. And then when I was 18, I went full-time. I managed to have enough to rent out a small place to live in. It was a struggle. I couldn't always afford to stay warm. I couldn't always afford to eat as much as I'd have liked, but I felt independent and safe. Safe for the first time in my life. Things eventually began to get better. I had insomnia issues, I didn't feel safe in my own bed, and the memories of my father always haunted me. I struggled with intimacy, I really couldn't trust any man, and I thought I never would. I realized that I didn't believe in my father's religion as time went on. It was really painful to realize just how fucked up my childhood was, just how deplorable both of my parents were. It was hard. When I was 23, I started to talk. I managed to make some female friends, and I met who would later become my best friend. She was the first person that I ever opened up to, and she encouraged me to reach out for professional support. It was so painful, but I knew that I had to do it. When I was 26 years old, I had met a man, and I felt myself liking him. I was really nervous, but we ended up getting together. I didn't open up about my past, but he knew I found intimacy difficult. He knew this something had happened, but I never told him what. We broke up after over a year together, but that relationship was the first time that I dared trust another man and he never once broke my trust. When I was 30, I met the man who had later become my husband. I knew early on he was special, but it didn't scare me like I thought it would. I was still cautious, but we clicked together so well that I found myself letting him inside my heart in a way that no one else had ever been. I told him everything that happened to me one night when he was at my place, and I expected him to be disgusted or to view me differently. He never did. He listened, and he told me he really appreciated me opening up like that. He then asked if it was okay to hug me, and I said yes. When we had been together for three years, I fell pregnant. I was really afraid I couldn't handle having a girl. But when I found out our baby was indeed a girl, I felt a fierce need to protect her. When she was finally born, I felt a love that I can't even describe. When our daughter was five years old, my husband and I finally got married. Now that I have my own family, I view my parents in a way different light again. I'll never understand how they could do everything they did. I would go to war for my baby girl. I would walk through fire to protect her. What happened to me will always hurt and can never be erased, but I've clawed my way out of hell. Having my own family is something that I never even thought was possible. Every morning I wake up, I feel safe. I now know that everything my father said isn't true, and his evil actions do not define me. My husband truly loves me and respects me. He's never even raised his voice at me once. To him, I'm not tainted, and I can finally sleep soundly, most of the time that is, in my safe home. I've never once heard from my parents. I don't even know if they're still alive. I never want to hear from them ever again. They're dead to me. I know that my story is very long and distressing, but I want people to know that it is never your fault if someone violates you. You did not ask for it. You did not seduce someone to hurt you. These people are depraved at their core. We aren't the depraved ones. It is possible to rebuild your life in the face of the most horrifying things and anyone who ever uses religion to justify their abuse as an abuser. Seek out support, and never stop seeking it until you find it. It's absolutely unfair to have to heal from things like this, but it's crucial that you do. If you've been through something similar, I promise you're not alone. You won't ever forget it, but you don't need to spend your life drowning in it. I promise you can get through it. Hey everyone, that's about it for today's stories. If you have your own story that you would like to send, you can send it in at southerncannibal.com or you can email it at southerncannibalstories at gmail.com. I look forward to telling your story. Have a good night or good day everyone, and remember, to always...